Chicago! The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Everybody, we are live! Are you guys grinding, or are you guys having fun? We're having a little fun. And here's the controversy. Listen, we love fun, right? Spend some time with our friends Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel. Yes. And want to be nowhere else but here. Parkins and Spiegel. They're amazing. <laughs> are they? <laughs> yeah, but are they? I go on the score and talk with uh, Matt and Danny. Yeah, Danny Parkins, one of the old-timers. Sometimes says uh, this is the show where things happen. It's a disgusting way to do talk radio. Danny and Matt do an excellent job. A little too much Parkins. We can erase it from the FCC. Strange twists and turns on the Parkinson Spiegel show. I don't know what's going on with any of it. We're the show where things happen. Everybody, Ice Cube! Cube, thank you for answering our text and putting up with our ridiculousness. Anytime, anytime. Bob Odenkirk. How are you guys doing? Mark Wahlberg's here. Chicago, we love you, baby. Come on. Shane, wake up. Tanny, we gotta have another little taste because Spigs is here. Yeah. It's five o'clock somewhere. Every time I come on this show old school great radio johnny b i'm riveted to the score it's the last bastion of talk radio i mean you guys are the best team in chicago everybody knows that parkinson spiegel these guys are gonna be incredible and amazing and uh, they started talking over my promo for them at the beginning of the show and here we go jim tony oh jim we could start the show right now Oh, the open tickles me. Hope it tickles you. It is indeed Parkins and Spiegel right here on 670. The score in the missing Parkins formation. Not going to lie. One of my favorite formations. I like the T. Um, I like the single wing. But the missing Danny formation is uh, is also great. Actually going to talk to him around 540. Got to find out how, he's di- how he did. It's still going. The uh, Remy Martin basketball game thing at the United Center. Lawrence is playing, Danny's playing, Shane and Tanny are over there. I'm your Huckleberry Speaks holding down the fort right here on Parkinson. Speak along with Tyler Buterbaugh. Who needs everybody else? You know, what we got is me, and what we got also is our man Mark Grody live from the Combine in Indianapolis. And my goodness, today is a day that is, what is, is this the most highly anticipated Combine press conference in recent memory, I mean, for days and days, is Caleb going to speak? And then eventually, yes, he will speak. He gave the interview to ESPN. But here it is. A lot of people locked and loaded for 8 a.m. Central this morning to listen to Caleb Williams and to watch Caleb Williams. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of fascinating, everything that led up to this. And, Grody, can you remember another combine press conference that had this much buzz considering all that has been written about the guy and how little he has spoken up until that interview the other day no i mean i have been i think it's this fifth or sixth combine that i've been to i've been i've been covering these since 2018 and i I hesitate just because there was the year of the of covid that i missed but there were more people around the the podium for Caleb Williams and I've ever seen him. There's probably 75 to 100 people in the in the gangbang of reporters wanting to get questions in to to Caleb Williams. So it was quite a spectacle out there. And quite frankly, Speegs, he really didn't disappoint. You know, yeah, I know, you, know that you heard it, and we're going to play some of it. But he was he was terrific with everything that he said. You know, it's interesting. Before we even get to our impressions of it, and I'm dying to talk about it, 
But just considering all of the stuff that's been out there, his dad in what, Esquire, whatever it was, a year and a half ago, all these rumors, the Colin Coward crap, like everything that's been out there, I, I want to make sure that everybody knows what the, the, the first question was and how it came about and what it sounded like. So with 75 or 80 people lined up there, right, Groats, and yeah. all this stuff in the background, this Jamoke who writes for some fantasy football site, I'm not sure, and I love fantasy football, but like I call him a Jamoke because, listen to the question, he asks an attack journalism question, the very first thing that Caleb hears from that rabid horde is this. Caleb, are you afraid to compete? Are you afraid to compete? How do you respond to people say that you're worried to be compared side by side with your peers in medicals, measurements, and workouts? Are you afraid to be measured against this guy one-on-one? Is that why you're not doing things? No, uh, not doing things. Uh, It was a decision by me and my team, my family, um, and it comes down to that. Yeah, I mean, and and he went on to answer the question. It's like, and, and everybody's been talking about it all day. But that's the first thing is that guy and that dude put it on Twitter like really proud. Had to come in hot. Had to come in hot with my with my Caleb questions. Like, you're proud of this? You're putting this on there? It's just it's amazing because one of the impressions that I got from Caleb was that he had a little bit of a grin behind everything, especially early, like a very confident, but certainly a little self-aware and it, it's the kind of thing that you could read as condescending. If there's people out there looking to hate on him, you could read it that way because he's doing what he has to do to get through some of the questions. And he knows that some of it is BS because it is like later on when he talks about, well, you know, in these 10 minute meetings, like they're trying to it, there's not much you can get to all these teams are trying to get to the same kind of thing, you know. So he had that little bit of a grin behind everything. And I, I got to think it's at least in part because of this D-bag, are you afraid, attack question <laughs> right at the top. Unbelievable I, start I to, to that you, thing. I have to tell you, Speaks, I'm not as mad at that reporter as you are. Okay. Because, because I think, like, I wouldn't have done it. I probably wouldn't have had the guts to do it, quite frankly. But you know that there's a lot of people around the country and people who follow the NFL who are thinking the same thing or wanting, you know, hey, man, how come you're not doing it like everybody else? You're not you're not throwing, you're not doing the medicals. And, you know, I t- I've talked to several former NFLers here at the Combine, and most of them, especially the old schoolers, are like, yeah, do the, what are you doing? Do, do the medicals, do the workout. So, I mean, it was aggressively posed the way he put the question. I'll totally admit that. But I also agree with you on his, that, that peripheral smirk and that smile or the yeah. figurative smirk that he had going on and one of them specifically was one of the questions that that I asked I asked him I said you know any concern about your size and he basically said that um, he'd never heard that question before and he's never heard any concerns about his size and you know upon listening to that and then going back and seeing there have been concerns about his size and that has been out there and that has been public yet he just gave me about a 10 second. He wasn't being a jerk to me. Like he was even kind of like he was looking me right in the eyes and he had no problem with me asking the question. I don't think, but he's then said that he's never, this is the first time he's heard anything like that. He said it with a straight face. I I believed him, but then other people are like, I don't know. I think he might've been being sarcastic. Yeah. You know, it's, he has that, 
that look on his on his face that is going to be read by some as sarcastic and condescending. It's absolutely going to happen. Um, yeah, I thought th- that was good. I'm glad you asked that. And he said, oh, I'm 6'1", 6'2", uh, 215, yeah. 220. Like, uh, I'm around Aaron Rodgers' size, thanks. Right. And, and maybe <laughs> may- maybe yeah. his weight, too. But, yeah, no, look, he's confident. He's definitely confident. I got a little bit of Cam Newton vibes today in terms of when Cam was really flying high early on, just that that healthy arrogance of knowing that you're the dude. This guy knows he's the dude, doesn't he, Mark? Yeah, I mean, one of the things, too, that – I asked him, I said, at, at this point, would it be an upset if you were not the number one overall pick? And he basically said that's not – he's never considered the possibility that he wouldn't be the number one pick. Those are essentially his words to me, that, that, that of course he's going to be – there is no he's, – he's got – Option A, and that's it. He's not even considering option B. So he assumes that he will be drafted number one. And I even put the word bear. I said, would you be disappointed if you were not drafted number one overall by the Bears? And he said that he he would be, you know, he said yep. that he's never even considered the possibility that that wouldn't happen. There, there is, is no plan B on, on that front. Yeah, you know, I made a point to try and listen to as much as I could and watch as much as I could. He was great on pro football talk. Uh, live with Florio and Chris Sims. And it was like, you know, when he got into the nerdy quarterback stuff with Sims, it was awesome. Like this dude is is really, really thoughtful and really, really smart about quarterback play. Don't you get that impression? Uh, Absolutely. And it was refreshing to get some of that because – We've heard so much on the peripheral on what does this guy love football? Is he passionate about it? And as we talked about not doing the medicals. So then when you actually get to hear him flex his football IQ and talk about football and things on the field, I thought it was refreshing and necessary. All the other stuff was is definitely necessary to bring up because it's all part of his story. And yeah. it definitely is going to affect him going forward because, I mean, you have to take account of all of this. But at the end of the day, and you know, it's not like we've failed to get this point across. This is a spectacularly skilled and very bright, again, high football IQ quarterback. And that's why everybody's been raving about this guy for the last two plus years. Yeah, because there's a lot there's a lot there. And I, I at this point, I'll be shocked if the Bears don't take him. So it gives me a kind of patience in terms of talking about all the 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 X's and O's of the quarterback stuff and everything that's there. I mean, we will, of course, get to all of it. But it's like I, I it, it's w- all the stuff that we've broken down about Mitch and broken down about Fields. We're going to get the same chance to do it about about Caleb. And like today got me kind of excited about that. But Groats, you were there and you talked to everybody. Let, let's hear from Caleb and let's hear from yeah. a couple other quarterbacks for sure. Yeah, I mean, we've got we've not so much Caleb. The one thing that we really haven't talked about much, you know, in listening to the station when I could today is that, you know, that we're talking about maturity and the peripheral stuff. And I want to get into leadership a little bit. And as that specifically pertains to Caleb Williams on the different phases of his college career, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously he's only been at USC for the last two years and his, his college career, how he had to kind of diversify his leadership. Yeah. So, so the cool thing about, you know, my experience is that all three years have been, you know, a bit different. Um, 
You know, this past year we went seven and five, and so my leadership needed to be different. The year before, um, I came into a situation where we were four and eight, so my leadership needed to be different. The year before, I came in as a backup, and then you know I jumped, I jumped up, and 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 you know became the starter. So my leadership throughout times have been different. And I think it's it's helped groom me for the situation that I'm going into now. Yeah, you know, it, it's really interesting because um, he talked uh, about you know, those different kind of years and really thinking about them in a bubble. And I thought the answer also in their groats about the difficulty of this particular year and how, how uh, Lincoln Riley sat him down after the Utah loss and said, look, this is hard and you better grow from this or else you're going to get stuck and you're going to stay right where you are. Like he, he's kind of fortunate and he seems to have that perspective that he's had three very different kinds of years to try and grow on in a short college career. Yeah, I I was glad to hear that too because there you know there was that rough patch. I mean, a lot of people first tuned in to see Caleb Williams when they took on Notre Dame and got smoked in that game. Yep. So and and, that, and and a lot of what you heard after that was, wow, he's got no help. And man, this guy is and which is true to some extent. He's got no offensive line. He's got no wide receivers. He's doing it all himself. You know that was at Chris, when I talked to Chris Sims. That was his take that he told me that look, this guy had nothing. He had to do all that. He had to be the artist. He had to do all of this stuff. So it was actually refreshing refreshing to hear that the coach Lincoln Riley actually just said to him you got to get your bleep straight here man um and as you said speaks it, it can go two ways and that's what he expressed that you know it's if you want to, this thing to go down the tubes and keep doing what you're doing but yeah. that that was I think an important reality check and good on Riley to you know get in his face a little bit because it'd be easy to lay off of Caleb Williams especially at the college level especially considering this player has followed you now to two different colleges you know, it's um, Groats. You're going to be on at six o'clock doing a yes. special Thursday edition of On the Clock, and I know you'll have more Caleb tape then, and uh, and and a whole bunch of other stuff. So let's let's hear from some of the other quarterbacks because I don't want everybody to get lost in the shuffle here. There, of course, is a chance the Bears end up trading down and take Drake May or take Jaden Daniels. So you got both of the, uh, those guys. Walk me through uh, what it was like to talk to them. Yeah, let's start with uh, Jaden Daniels, the the Heisman Trophy winner, and we were talking with him, the the LSU quarterback, about the the art of knowing when to take off and run or to fling it. And I know that sounds familiar with the incumbent Justin Fields and some of the stuff that we've talked about with him. And he begins talking about the guy that he looks up to in that regard. Lamar is a great player. Um... You know, I don't like to compare myself to anybody, but there's some similarities in uh, what he's doing. He's playing at a very high level. So, uh, you know, kudos to him. You know, um, he he's the goat of this, you know, running and throwing. I'm just following suit behind. So for me, it's, you know, it's, a, it's an internal clock. You don't want to take a sack. You don't want to, you know, there's, there's, there's guys out there. Uh, obviously, like I play against like Dallas Turner and guys like that are, are running very fast. So uh, you, you, know, you try to tend to get away from those guys. So. Um, obviously, it's predicated. Everybody wants to run down the field. Maybe you could pick up an extra few yards, um, 10, 15 yards. But other than that, you know, it's an internal clock in your, in your head. You go through a progression. It's not there. You got to either check the ball down or get out of there. So, you know, this is going to be a component for almost every quarterback that enters the NFL now because it's just so vital to get the most out of your offense. We're going to deal with it with Caleb. And Caleb made a lot of decisions this year that uh, probably tilted too much towards the tuck and run. And yeah. so it's fascinating to hear Jaden Daniels talk about it. This conversation's not going anywhere. 
Well, yeah. And you look, you want that to be in your quarterback repertoire. A lot of people think it's essential in 2024 to have the ability to run and to take off and clear the pocket and all of that kind of stuff. But as Jaden Daniels was talking about it, as you said, there is such a fine line. It's like run, don't run, run slide, don't, you know, and obviously this is what these are some of the things that we have been dealing with for the last few years with Justin Fields. Yeah, it, it's absolutely true. And we'll have uh, we'll have a lot more of that. All right. So Drake May, you know, it's interesting. Listen, I didn't hear any of Drake May yet. I heard I heard Caleb being asked about Washington, being asked about New England and talking about mm-hmm. all those meetings, you know, and that turns up in stories about them. But Drake May was asked about the Bears, huh? Yeah, he speaks. He met with the Bears and gave us a little bit of insight. Yeah, the Bears, shoot, um, you know, great, great, great sports town. Um, Chicago's about as good as it gets. So just got in there and let them know who I am. I don't think they knew much about me and uh, just show them, you know, you know, what I got and, you know, who I am and, and kind of speak, um, you know, speak on some of the plays and some of the tape. I can do it all. I can play inside the pocket. You know, I can play, um, you know, outside the pocket, make plays with my feet, you know, pick up first downs on the run, um, win intelligently. You know, I feel like a smart kid. So um, just try to, you know, one of those things where, if I can, you know, kind of try to do it all. What are your early impressions of what they've got going on there for a quarterback? To come? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, no doubt. You know, Washington, you know, Chicago, you know, Cole Komet is, you know, a great tight end. And you got DJ Moore who played in, I was a big Panthers fan growing up, so watching DJ and, uh, you know, the ability to, you know, play in those cold weather games. And, uh, you know, always, in fact, Chicago always got a great defense. So. Of those three, who were you most impressed by? Caleb, mm. Jaden, Drake May? Um, I think Caleb. Caleb, I would do. I would go in this order. I would say Caleb Williams, Drake May by an eyelash over Jaden Daniels. All three comported themselves really well. It's close to me. Like if you're talking about just in terms of how they comported themselves at the podiums today, it's yeah. so close between all three of them. Like there wasn't a dud. There wasn't a guy who was like, okay, this guy's shy. He doesn't want to talk or whatever the case may be. And, you know, we've had that kind of thing in past years, but yeah, Caleb won Drake may two by just an eyelash over Jaden Daniels, but these are three really impressive quarterbacks. All right, Groats, you've had a long, awesome day, and you got another hour coming up at 6. want to let you go in a minute, but first let's talk about these two wide receivers who the you, you know Bears fans dream of being on the board at 9. I suspect neither might be, but I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. will go very early, and then tell me about Malik Neighbors from LSU, Jaden Daniels' teammate. Yeah, you're spot on. There's so much debate over these two and exactly where they end up. But yeah, the 20-year-old LSU receiver Malik Neighbors was asked, what makes him great? You know, I'm able to go outside and inside. So I'm able to, you know, create space where they'd be with a, you know, a corner that's outside, long linking corner, uh, slot guy, um, safety, you know. So I'm able to, you know, play different positions. I feel that that's what makes me, you know, makes me great really, that I can go against eight DBs a game and still, you know, average 100 yards a game. Damn. Uh, eight different DBs a game and still average 100 yards a game. What makes me great? He is your prototypical cocky as hell, swag-tastic, unbelievably flashy, athletically brilliant wide receiver, isn't he, Grouts? Oh, dude, to, to that end, you heard him talking about, yeah, I got six to eight cornerbacks on me every game. One of the other questions that he was asked <laughs> was okay what who was the best corner you faced this year and he said no corners stood out what's <laughs> <laughs> he 
he's like, yo, I got 1,560. He didn't say this, but this yeah, is what he's thinking. Yeah. He's got over 1,500 yards. This yeah. guy, do you know, he, he's averaging 17 yards per catch. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he was he's, unstoppable. He, he's outrageous. And my favorite thing that I've read about him is a scout who said that he gets separation in every kind of route, like Antonio <laughs> Brown. Like, it doesn't matter if it's a route that, you know, it doesn't typically provide separation. Neighbors finds the nuance to get yeah. it. Up. Yeah, and he and he even even admitted to to the to the theme and the motif here of being a little bit on the the confident too cocky side that he he knows he made himself a lot of money this year at LSU and the work <laughs> yeah, that yeah. he uh, he did with Jaden Daniels. All right, but um, th- the best personality of the day among wide receivers, at least, was Roma Dunze, wasn't it? Yeah, man. I, I, this is one I, I'm going to play more of this one I do on the clock, but I do have one cut from him. He was great. He was the best probably up to this point here on today's Friday. Um, yes. Up to this point, he has been the most interesting guy to talk to. And he talked about his approach at the line of scrimmage getting off the jam. Oh, I mean, just get jiggy. Um, you know, you you, you gotta uh, be be explosive. Got to be twitchy in those settings to to create some you know separation, keep the defense uh, defender on their toes. So um, just you know, not not doing the expected. Man, it, it, you like the way he thinks about it, right? It, it, jiggy it, with it, man. Up. You've got you've got to get jiggy with it. You just have to. <laughs> you just have to. Yep. Mark Groat is the hardest working man uh, at the score. All right, Groats, I, I, I want to play this super cut that Tani put together of everything Caleb Williams said about the Bears. We're going to play that here. Um, so I will, uh, I will bid you adieu. Have a great show, and thanks for all the awesome work this week. Okay, man? You, you got it, Speaks. Yeah, I'll talk to everybody in a half an hour, 6 o'clock, around the clock. Thanks, dude. There you go. So keep it right here on the score. Uh, Cubs game is done. Um, they beat the White Sox. Great to hear Pat and Ron. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll hear from Danny Parkins and Shane Reardon from the United Center and find out how the basketball activities went. But as I mentioned, Tanny put this together. This is everything that Caleb Williams had to say as the presumptive number one overall pick about the Chicago Bears who are on the clock and probably going to end up with what they hope is their first ever franchise quarterback. Hey, live in Chicago. The fans are always divided about the quarterback. Yeah. Probably the most toxic time, just trying to decide what is the best route. What would you say to the fans of Chicago about the player and person that they would be getting if you were to be drafted? I'd say uh, the player and person that they begin, a uh, person that cares for his teammates. Um, some of y'all may have seen, some of y'all may have not. Um, I try to take care of all my guys. Uh, no matter if you've been fourth on the depth chart or you know you're the you're the star player, um, so I care for my teammates. And then the other part is I'm a, I'm a fierce competitor, as you may have seen after you know some games. What appeals to you about the Bears as you've looked into the possibilities of where you might end up picking first? What appeals to you about that situation? I mean, the Bears are, was an eight and nine team last year, um, I believe, and uh, seven and seven and ten. Sorry, and and um, you know it's. That's pretty good for a team that has the first pick. Um, and and they got a good defense. Um, they got good players on offense. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting, you know, if you could go into a situation like that. Bears have been around more than 100 years. They haven't had a whole lot of dominant quarterback play. Yep. Does that intimidate you at all? 
whole lot of dominant quarterback play? No, no, not at all. Um, I don't compare myself to the other guys, um, you know, that's there or been there. Um, I think I'm my own player, and, um, you know, I, I, I tend to like to, you know, create history and, and rewrite history. When you look at the personal relationships that will be important at the next level, you talk to the Bears, what did you think of Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles in your meeting? Yeah. Um, they were awesome. Um, I spoke to, I spoke more about ball and things like that, um, just because the interviews are so short. Um, so it was, it was more about them getting to know me, uh, getting to getting to test my mental, what I know, uh, the base, you know, the base things of, of, of what it takes to be a quarterback in the NFL. Are you with any confidence that they're going to be able to develop you and what you need to go make the jump from pro to, from college to pro? Um, ten minutes is, is difficult to, to figure out if they're going to be able to develop you. Um, I enjoyed the meeting. Uh, it was a good meeting, but ten minutes or ten minutes or so is, is pretty difficult. Ryan Poles talks about being an artist or a surgeon as a quarterback. How yeah. would you describe your quarterback play in that regard? Um, he does. He does. You know, I've I've actually heard that about the artist or, or surgeon thing, and um, I like to I like to think that when it's time to be surgical, you, you know, it's it's time to be surgical. Um, you know, there's been many games where uh, it gets late in the game, and, and I've and I've ran or scrambled, and, and you know, threw a crazy pass. That's that's been the artist, the magician. Um, and then and then you know, there's been times where even you know when I hurt my hamstring and I couldn't run, um, I sat in the pocket the whole time, you know, the rest of the game, and and, and delivered the ball. They draft you one or to Washington if that's what happens. Why did you feel a need to say that? And where did the narrative that maybe it wouldn't come from? Yeah, I, uh, a lot of things are coming out right now. Y'all rarely see me speak ever. Um, as y'all know, I, I, I don't really go out and speak much. But this was, you know, this was important to me that I wanted to put something out before um, I came here, uh, especially with all the noise and things like that. That's been brewing and things like that um, before I came here. And then now since I've been here, a bunch of stuff uh, comes out. But just wanted to put something out so everybody knew exactly where it was coming from. On Instagram, a picture. I think you were a kid wearing a T-shirt with a bear on it. Was, yeah. that, was that intentional or no? No, it was not intentional. I uh, I didn't see the bear on the front, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny when I saw the the reports about it. Kid is 22 years old. Is really really smart. Has been wanting to be a great quarterback since he was 11 with a hardcore plan put together with his dad. And he nerds out on quarterback stuff. I recommend you watch the 10, 12 minutes with Chris Sims and Mike Florio on Pro Football Talk Live. Some really, really good stuff in there, including just this little nugget that I loved. At one point, they bring over a football. And, you know, the college ball is different than the high school ball, which is different than the NFL ball. So Caleb, his whole life, he's been getting ready for what he calls his favorite ball. Listen to this for a second. Like the NFL ball? I, this is my favorite football. I mean, you don't want this one. No, I don't want one. this one. But, um, yeah, but, show us the grip. Yeah. Yeah, so there he is. He's two and, like, right on four. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, I like it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And so, But you like the NFL football? Yes, yeah, the best football in, in, right? in the world. Right? right? The yeah. laces and everything? Laces, You're like, the Damn. spins. It always spins. It always spins. It always spins. That's the ball he's been throwing his whole damn life, and he can't wait to use it. It's his favorite one. I really liked him. Cocky, confident little self-assured. Some people are going to find it condescending. I don't care. He knows he's that dude. And it should be a lot of fun. He'll have issues. There'll be things to break down about his play. He will make lots of mistakes. Um, but, man, it's, it's going to be fun to watch this guy who's wanted to be great his whole life and I think is ready to try and be great in the NFL 
do it right here with the Bears. It's Spiegs on Parkins and Spiegel. Let's, let's check in with Shane and Danny at the United Center. I need to know if Danny hit the over on one and a half points in the celebrity basketball thing that he just did earlier in the show. We are leading up to Mark Grody on the clock at 6 o'clock right here on 670 The Score. Talked about his approach at the line of scrimmage getting off the jam. Oh, I mean, just get jiggy. Um, you know, you you, you gotta uh, be be explosive. Gotta be twitchy in those settings to to create some you know separation. Keep the defense uh, defender on their toes. So um, just you know, not not doing the expected. Man, it, it, you like the way he thinks about it, right? It, it, jiggy with it, man. Up. You've got you've got to get jiggy with it. You just have to. <laughs> you just have to. Yep. Mark Groat is the hardest working man uh, at the score. All right, Groats, I, I, I want to play this super cut that Tani put together of everything Caleb Williams said about the Bears. We're going to play that here. Um, so I will, uh, I will bid you adieu. Have a great show. And thanks for all the awesome work this week. Okay, man? You, you got it, Speaks. Yeah, I'll talk to everybody in a half an hour, 6 o'clock, around the clock. Thanks, dude. There you go. So keep it right here on the score. Uh, Cubs game is done. Um, they beat the White Sox. Great to hear Pat and Ron. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll hear from Danny Parkins and Shane Reardon from the United Center and find out how the basketball activities went. But as I mentioned, Tanny put this together. This is everything that Caleb Williams had to say as the presumptive number one overall pick about the Chicago Bears who are on the clock and probably going to end up with what they hope is their first ever franchise quarterback. Caleb in Chicago, the fans are always divided about the quarterback. Yeah. Probably the most toxic time, just trying to decide what is the best route. What would you say to the fans of Chicago about the player and person that they would be getting if you were to be drafted? I'd say uh, the player and person that they begin, a uh, person that cares for his teammates. Um, some of y'all may have seen, some of y'all may have not. Um, I try to take care of all my guys. Uh, no matter if you've been fourth on the depth chart or you know you're the you're the star player, um, so I care for my teammates. And then the other part is I'm a, I'm a fierce competitor, as you may have seen after you know some games. What, what appeals to you about the Bears as you looked into the possibilities of where you might end up? They're picking first. What appeals to you about that situation? I mean, the Bears are, was an eight and nine team last year, um, I believe, and. Uh, seven and seven and ten, sorry, and and um, you know that's that's pretty good for a team that has the first pick, um, and and they got a good defense, um, they got good players on offense, um, and and you know it's it's pretty exciting, you know, if you could go into a situation like that. Bears have been around more than a hundred years. They haven't had a whole lot of dominant quarterback play. Yep. Does that intimidate you at all? A whole lot of dominant quarterback play? Nah. No, not at all. Um, I don't compare myself to the other guys. Um, you know, that's there, been there. Um, I think I'm my own player, and um, you know, I, I I tend to like to, you know, create history and, and rewrite history. When you look at the personal relationships that'll be important at the next level, you talk to the Bears. What did you think of Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles in your meeting? Yeah. Um, they were awesome. Um, I spoke to I spoke more about ball and things like that, um, just because the interviews are so short. Um, so it was, it was more about them getting to know me, uh, getting to getting to test my mental, what I know, uh, the base, you know, the base things of, of of what it takes to be a quarterback in the NFL. Right. Are they with any confidence that they're going to be able to develop you and what you need to go make the jump from pro to, from college to pro? 
Um, ten minutes is, is difficult to, to figure out if they're going to be able to develop you. Um, I enjoyed the meeting. Uh, it was a good meeting, but ten minutes or uh, ten minutes or so is, is pretty difficult. Ryan Poles talks about being an artist or a surgeon as a quarterback. How yeah. would you describe your quarterback play in that regard? Um, he does. He does. You know, I've I've actually heard that about the artist or, or surgeon thing, and um, I like to I like to think that when it's time to be surgical, you, you know, it's it's time to be surgical. Um, you know, there's been many games where uh, it gets late in the game, and, and I've and I've ran or scrambled and, and you know threw a crazy pass. That's that's been the artist, the magician. Um, and then and then you know there's been times where even you know when I hurt my hamstring and I couldn't run, um, I sat in the pocket the whole time. You know, the rest of the game and and, and delivered the ball. You went out of your way the other day to give me. Interview saying you'd be willing to go to Chicago. They draft you one or to Washington if that's what happens. Why did you feel a need to say that? And where did the narrative that maybe you wouldn't come from? Yeah, I, uh, a lot of things are coming out right now. Y'all rarely see me speak ever. Um, as y'all know, I, I, I don't really go out and speak much. But this was, you know, this was important to me that I wanted to put something out before um, I came here, uh, especially with all the noise and things like that. That's been brewing and things like that um, before I came here. And then now since I've been here, a bunch of stuff uh, comes out. But just wanted to put something out so everybody knew exactly where it was coming from. Can, can you wouldn't, and then you posted on Instagram a picture. I think you were a kid wearing a T-shirt with a bear on it. Was, yep. that, was that intentional? Or no, it was not intentional. I. Uh, uh, I didn't see the bear on the front, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny when I saw the, the reports about it. Kid is 22 years old, is really, really smart, has been wanting to be a great quarterback since he was 11 with a hardcore plan put together with his dad, and he nerds out on quarterback stuff. I recommend you watch the 10, 12 minutes with Chris Sims and Mike Florio on Pro Football Talk Live. Some really, really good stuff in there including just this little nugget that I loved. At one point, they bring over a football. And, you know, the college ball is different than the high school ball, which is different than the NFL ball. So Caleb, his whole life, he's been getting ready for what he calls his favorite ball. Listen to this for a second. Like the NFL ball? This is my favorite football. I mean, you don't want this one. No, I don't want this one. Um, Yeah, show us the grip. Yeah, so there he is. He's two and, like, right on four. Okay, okay, yeah, I like it, yeah. All right. Yeah. And so, but you like the NFL football? Yes, yeah, the best football in, in, right? the, in the world. Right? right? The yeah. laces and everything. Laces, You're like, the damn. Spins. It always spins. It yeah. always spins. It always spins. That's the ball he's been throwing his whole damn life, and he can't wait to use it. It's his favorite one. I really liked him. Cocky, confident, little self-assured. Some people are going to find it condescending. I don't care. He knows he's that dude. And it should be a lot of fun. He'll have issues. There'll be things to break down about his play. He will make lots of mistakes. Um, but, man, it's, it's going to be fun to watch this guy who's wanted to be great his whole life and I think is ready to try and be great in the NFL do it right here with the Bears. It's Speaks on Parkins and Spiegel. Let's, let's check in with Shane and Danny at the United Center. I need to know if Danny hit the over on one and a half points in the celebrity basketball thing that he just did earlier in the show. We are leading up to Mark Grody on the clock at 6 o'clock right here on 670 The Score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. It's been a long four hours. Afternoons on The Score. That's just flat out not true. It's been a very short, less than an hour. It's a lovely, lovely Friday. The sun is setting in Chicago. It's Spieg solo with hot Tyler on Tyler action. Tyler Buterbaugh and Tyler Farringle both manning the board and the phones and the console because 
Danny Parkins played hoops at the United Center, as one does on a Friday afternoon, and Shane documented it for tremendous amounts of social media to come, and Tanny was just happy to get out of the house. They all joined me right here, right now, on Parkins and Spiegel. Men, live at the UC, you look great. How's everybody? Oh, Spiegs, my Achilles are intact, my ACL is intact, my pride. I'll leave that up to these guys to determine whether or not it should be intact. So hey, the over-under... <laughs> oh, I missed it. I talked over it, Tanny, like I always do. Tanny, I talked Are over it. Say it out. again. I just said give it up for this great venue out here, the United Center, world class. This guy was great today. Danny balled out. He really did. He left it all out there. I left the little that I had on the court. Uh, we get, I got, dude. It was a forty-minute game. Two twenty-minute halves. Running clock. Run, yeah. Okay. Running clock. <laughs> We played in five minutes since, but I am exhausted, and I uh, can feel it in my lower back. I took a three from like 27 feet for my first attempt, landed awkwardly, not because anyone followed me, but just because I hadn't jumped in a while, and I skinned my knee. <laughs> so I got a boo-boo. I need like a Flintstones Band-Aid or something. Uh, but I had two buckets, a couple of blocks, a couple of rebounds, one assist, and... Uh, some misses, some bad, bad, bad misses. And Speaks, I'll tell you, that second bucket that came should not have been his, but we'll wait until Monday to tell you whose bucket that should have been. Oh, oh, boy. When, See, when we company the video with it, that second bucket should not have been his. Oh, this really? So he, 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 took, he took a shot over, over somebody perhaps more worthy. All right, so hold on. I got some questions. So Danny had two buckets. So the over on one and a half points came in. It's good to know. Um, it, it, tell me about the structure here. Were there any subs? Did you play all yes. forty minutes? No, like no. there, were, okay. And, and did you did you end up going more than three point line to three point line? Did you get into the paint at all during this contest? Uh, yes, because I was like one of the tallest people here. He was the five on his team. I was the five in my group of five. So, and this one dude who was shorter than me, who I was guarding on the first run. I mean, he was maybe like 5'9", but he had like a tattoo sleeve. He, he had muscles. He like hip-checked me on a box out on the, on the first run. <laughs> I was like, I was like, take it easy. Uh, and so like, but then like my intensity kind of picked up after that. And I was like legitimately gassed. No, uh, but we had four groups of five on a team, but actually, and then so I ended up playing three five-minute runs. The, the second five minutes of the first half, the first five minutes of the second half, and then we closed the game. So I played 15 minutes out of a possible 40. And um, I am – like, if you had a heart rate monitor on me right now, I'm definitely not back to even. And it's been, like, 30 minutes since the game ended. All right, so you were surprisingly tall and were basically the center on your team. In terms of star power, Shane, where does Danny's uh, Q rating and Chicago-related fame – um, rank among all participants in the contest today, in your opinion? Well, it, it was it was Danny and Lawrence. It was, it. it was definitely Danny and Lawrence. Rich Wyatt was here. Ryan Porth was here. Danny, of course, had his wonderful nephew, Jack, who's quite the athlete. But in terms of Q, Q rating, it was Danny and Lawrence for sure. And then there well, were more children, Speaks. I can't, I can't <laughs> emphasize this enough. There were a lot of children that were playing in these games as well. And they didn't separate it. They didn't do a kid's game and then the game for the grown-ups. They put them all on the same team. Danny was 
was plus boxing out a nine-year-old for half the game. Okay. So you told me you told me that he was among the tallest, and I'm picturing a bunch of short adults. No, he was no. amongst the tallest because he was amongst the oldest. Is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Children. Children. But Lawrence, quite the distributor, gives the ball up. Not selfish. Does not take the shot for himself. Well. Speaking of that, so late in the game, Lawrence was trying to facilitate with Danny and give, give Danny a great moment for one, possibly one final shot. Ended up not being. Lawrence gives him a nice feed near the baseline, and Danny just so gassed, not paying attention. Ball just trickles out of bounds. And he said, oh, bleep, he was, in, in front of children. He was, he was leading me with the pass, which is what you would do if your teammate was an athlete who was going to continue to run. But I was definitely already open, so I just went. I just stopped and assumed he would pass me the ball where I was open. And he he did it correctly. I did it incorrectly. But I was tired. <laughs> I almost so, had a heart attack. Yeah, and so that that was my next question: Swirsk and Wennington, as the celebrity coaches, where what was their level of emotional and psychological investment in the endeavor today? Uh, I'll tell you right now. Swirsk, nice guy trying to get everybody equal time, not considering matchups or strategy at all. Bill Wennington, trash talking, playing to win, and taught his team the 2-3 zone. <laughs> so we were at a, I mean, the, the, the second shift of the second half, we were just going in order, and Chuck put out like our women and children lineup, like the first people off the Titanic. Wow. And Bill, and Bill Wennington, like – messed with his rotation and put out four adults and like a teenager and Giannis <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and Giannis and Dame and they, they just ran up a double digit lead that we weren't able to overcome it was we were we had a significant coaching mismatch people were talking about Adrian Griffin uh as Chuck Swirsky it was not nice they lost by six I think it was 42 36 I think my last bucket at the end for the cover on plus eight and a half no big deal so, so Chuck Swirsky uh, coaching for vibes and not for X's and O's. I, I, that should yeah. not be considered a shock. All right, so you have a boo-boo of a skinned knee, ACL's intact, Achilles intact, so I lose money there. Anybody else injure themselves further than that? No. No, I mean, Ryan Forth, horrible post-presence. I would yeah, not yeah, Ryan, Ryan Forth's pride. Yeah. yeah, so uh, Ryan Forth, we had to remind him kindly that this is Chicago and we play defense in Chicago. <laughs> Towards the end of the game there, his effort level really started to plummet a little bit. So we had, we had some speech with Ryan Forth about the effort level on defense. He was hanging uh, out like on the baseline, on the wing, waiting for a, a ball, and he hadn't scored a basket yet. And, he was and, waiting for them to kick it out, and he hadn't proved that he could do it. And to be honest, Speaks, I think, when he showed the whole court, the whole arena, that he was tiring, that there was some fatigue out there, I think that was the turning point in the game because that's when it was within reach, and then his exhaustion was clear to the opponents, and they capitalized. Oh, that's uh, tremendous. Bye-bye, sir. Anything, anything else I need to know, guys, uh, before really we bad officiating. Brutal officiating. The only whistle that, that happened was a ball that went kind of out of bounds but shouldn't have. But there were hacks left and right, left and right. There were no whistles whatsoever. This was hack-a-mole kind of game. Tremendous. I'm so tired. I am so tired. He, he played a collective 15 minutes, by the way. That's a lot. It's a big court. Yeah. It's a big court.
Yeah, it's long. It, it, it is long. Uh, Danny, I'm sorry we don't have time for your thoughts on Caleb Williams. I'm really sorry. We're just about out of time. Um, so, look, it, you'll have to wait till Monday. Or, or you got a 1ST ampersand pod? Perfect and obviously going to be a bear. I don't, need, I don't need more thoughts than that. All right, there it is. Gentlemen, glad you had fun. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks, guys. See you. Bye-bye. Later. That is uh, Danny Parkins, Shane Reardon, Chris Tannehill. Live from the United Center. Should be some awesome content that will come from that. And uh, you should be following the score on Instagram and, uh, and much, much more. Uh, just, just a really, really cool day to, to see that quarterback talk and be able to bury a lot of the fears that have gone on for even those of us who think it's a smart idea to take him and move on from Justin Fields. And obviously, you know, that's me. But, man, just in terms of the vibes you got off the guy, the interpersonal stuff that we learned about the guy and the way that he talked quarterbacking and the level of, uh, of thought that goes into it, it's, it, it was really exciting. And I know I'm hearing from a bunch of you on the text lines that are there as well. There are others who are, of course, uh, remaining uh, cynical and remaining dubious. And, you know, you, you guys will help make the world go round between now and the draft. But, my goodness. Um, count me amongst those excited for what the future will bring. Want to say thank you to Tyler Buterbaugh and Tyler Faringool for holding down the court on this Friday while the boys were playing on the court on this Friday. Thanks to Mark Rohde. And remember that On the Clock special Thursday edition comes up in about six minutes. Have a great weekend, everyone. For Danny Parkins, Shane Reardon, Chris Tannehill, I am Matt Spiegel. On the Clock is next. Parkinson Spiegel back on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. All right, I got to go here, guys. I'm, I, I got something.